Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to our show, Reliscopes, the Relationship Science Insights Podcast. Um, and today I'm joined by Amber DeVos, who is a dating expert and romance recruiter. Amber, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm hyped to talk to you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about social anxiety and shyness in dating. Um, but tell me a little bit more about yourself first. Yeah, so I'm Amber DeVos, also known as the Sedux, which is short for the Seduction Expert, and I have made it my mission to help my clients and audience feel more confident, more secure, more attractive, more in love with themselves as they go out in the world uh, and date. So as a dating coach, it's really important that people understand where they're at in their journey, and not everybody does. So that's where I come in, is to help them go from what I like to say is from clueless to coupled. Mm, clueless to coupled is a two C's. Always good to kind of start an alliteration. Alliteration, there. yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess how how did you get started? I'm really curious as to kind of where you began. Yeah, it's a great question. So I was actually a professional photographer in New York City for over 15 years, and I focused on celebrity and society. And one of my one of my super talents, I would say, is helping people who hate having their picture taken actually really enjoy the process and fall in love with themselves when they get to see the pictures at the end. So I was able to work with people who are at the very top of their careers, right? So somebody who walks in the room and just shines, somebody who has made a lot of money, who is very successful. So I was able to witness firsthand who they were, how they walked in the world, and then also translate that into my photography. And so when the pandemic happened, right before it, I had moved from New York City to California and I came out here as a photographer and was trying to rebuild my business, totally different market. So I was, I asked myself, how can I leverage the skills that I already have? You know, making people look good, making people feel confident. You know, I'm an anthropologist. I am uh, somebody who was able to transform myself from a girl who grew up in the mountains of Lake Tahoe to being a socialite in New York City you know, take all of those things and be able to do something different with it. And I had actually started an apparel brand. And when I was trying to get investment for that, one of my potential investors, he looked me very seriously in the eye and he said, Amber, if you want to run a successful business where you can truly make a difference, he said, be a coach and not just a coach, but a dating coach and not just a dating coach, but a dating coach for men because they need your help. You're very good at you're very good at talking to them. You're very good at making them feel at ease and you're making and making them really see themselves for who they were. And no lie, you know, I spent quite a few years single in New York City, so I have some experience in personal research, as I like to say it. So when the pandemic hit and photography completely dried up, right, because there's no events, there's nothing happening. I actually got a position as a matchmaker with a with a big agency 
And that's kind of how I got started. I mean, I had some coaching clients, but it was more of just like, okay, somebody advised me to do this, but I'm still doing this other thing. And I really realized that during the pandemic that finding love is such a big and powerful experience for a lot of people. And it's really difficult to go through on your own. So it was at that moment where I realized, wow, I can actually really do something and help people and make a difference. So that's a very long answer to your short question. But yes, how I became a dating coach is through my passion to be able to take people to the next level and be the best versions of themselves in their romantic life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I mean, what you said about, I guess, the pandemic especially has changed dating so much. And we're going to chat a little bit about that um, in the future. So I'm excited to kind of ask you a bit of questions um, around that. Uh, But first, we've got a section called Have You Met Amber DeVos? um, In which I ask you a couple of very quick questions about yourself. Are you happy to answer them? We'll find out. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm sure you'll be fine. No one no one has failed this one um, so far. So I think it'll oh, be Oh, okay. man, if I walk out of here not getting this right. <laughs> uh, okay, so what is your favorite book? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. I think a better answer is who's my favorite author, and it's Robert Greene. So especially in the world of personal development and growth and mastery, Robert Greene is absolutely one of the best authors to look at. And it's because he is just so very smart and strategic and includes um, he includes historical examples as well. So his book, The Art of Seduction, I mean, how can you say no to that, especially when you're the seduction expert? Um, Mastery is a great book. The 48 Laws of Power is a great book. So, yeah, anything by Robert Greene is an easy yes for me. I think recommending an author with multiple books is a win, in my opinion. When I ask, when I ask for one, it's always more the more the merrier. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm happy with that. Oh yeah. Um, what about a movie? A favorite movie? Do you have one of those? This is going to sound so nerdy, and it's totally going to age myself. But so I married an axe murderer okay. from the '90s is one of okay. my favorite movies. Um, I also love Groundhog's Day. With Bill Murray, also dated and classic. But the reason why I love both of those movies is because they are quintessential love stories, right? So I Married an Axe Murderer is maybe a little bit more obvious, but Groundhog's Day is, I think, one of the best love stories ever told. Why? Because you have a man who starts off being repellent, grumpy, angry, difficult to deal with, entitled, narcissistic, selfish, generally a terrible human being. And so he is given the opportunity to relive the same day over and over again and transform himself and go through the mistakes and go through the joys and go through so many different experiences that it takes us lifetimes to go through. He was able to do it one day over and over again. And the ultimate prize of not giving up was to win his lady love, right? So it wasn't until she stayed in bed with him giving her full heart, fully vulnerable with him and totally present, did the day actually change? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I don't think I Uh, saw Groundhog Day that way, but I might go and I might go and rewatch it now. Watch it as a love story. And it's like, oh, my God, this is so romantic because he does everything. (laughs) He messes up. He tries again. He, you know, it's like you see a man go through every stage of falling in love or getting rejected or whatever. And it's like he never gave up. He never gave up. And that's just like... There's no more romance than that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, What about um, a podcast that you've been listening to lately that you've been really into? 
Mm, yeah, so this is going to get a little spiritual, but it's called the Weekly Energy Forecast, and it's uh, hosted by the Kabbalah Center. So um, my spiritual guidance is Kabbalah, and I really love it because it's not a religion, but it's more an understanding of how the universe works. So I know that sounds very lofty, but it's so empowering to understand that we only get to see 1% of reality when in fact there's 99% going on all around us that we don't understand. So the weekly energy forecast really strives to every week kind of decipher what that huge bigger energy of the 99% is into a very digestible for this week. This is things that you can focus on and pay attention to. And you know, within 30 to 45 minutes, you walk out of there going, holy cow, I have a new perspective on life that I never even thought possible before. So yeah, that's my, that's my go-to. Sure, for sure. Great rec. Um, what about a famous role model that maybe you looked up to in the past or you look up to at the moment? There's so many, but I, who's coming to mind right now is Sophia Loren. So she was a big Italian film star from the 1950s and 1960s. And there's just something about the way that she presented herself that was so powerful and so sensual and so just who she is, right? So I think, you know, especially here in America, we have uh, a bit of a conditioning for very tall and slender to be the beautiful, right? And so any any curves, wrinkles, you know, floppy things that happen on our female bodies, we have a tendency to be like, oh, I got to run and hide about it. Sophia Loren, I mean, she had a gorgeous body, but she was not tall, slender, or skinny. Maybe she was tall, but she wasn't slender, and she wasn't skinny. And you see her in her laundry, and she's got rolls, and she's got all the things. And it's so beautiful to just see her fully embrace her sensuality, sexuality, and power as a woman that I would say she's one of my top, top role models. Top role models, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sophia Loren is such a beautiful woman as well. So Timeless. agreed. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's the last course that you completed? I take so many courses that that's a really tough one to answer. Uh, You're in good company. Just, <laughs> yeah, let's just say I'm a big proponent for growth. Right. So I like to say the difference between a therapist and a coach is that a therapist takes you from negative to neutral. Right. There might be some healing, some work to do there, but at least getting you to that break even point. The coach, on the other hand, takes you from neutral to next level. So I am always about going to the next level. So in terms of, you know, if it's about team management and leadership, that's something that I'm currently involved in. I haven't completed it, but I'm currently involved in. If it's about communication, if it's about marketing, right? How do I reach my audience? How do I listen for what problems they have that I can solve? It it really depends on what arena it is of learning. Um, but I think if you can always be going to the next level, then there's never enough courses to take. Does that, does I, that answer I your agree. question? <laughs> no, I agree. And I'm all for that. I feel like courses, podcasts, that kind of thing are like always teaching me. Like I've always yeah. got something to learn from them. Um, <laughs> very much agree with you there. Um, in that case, uh, that brings us to the end of um, this segment. Have you met Amber DeVos? Everyone has now met you. Uh, and you yeah, are known. met me. <laughs> um, and we might move on uh, to our main topic of the week, which is overcoming shyness and social anxiety mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. dating. Mm -hmm. uh, 
which is a huge one, I'm sure. I, I'm pretty sure there's at least a million people who would love to know the answers. Um, All right, listen up, million people. I got some for you. For sure, for sure. Um, I want to start very broadly. Our show is about relationships. What? How would you define a relationship? What is a relationship to you? Yeah, I mean, at the very basic definition of it, it's a connection, mm-hmm. right? It's a connection between two people. Now, in the romantic sense, it's a connection between two people in which they have agreed to a commitment, to putting in effort, to spending time together, to being exclusive, right? So when it comes to the romance, a relationship is, you know, two people who have, like, made the decision that they're actually going to give whatever this thing is a go. Yep, yep, for sure. And... This kind of touches on what we were discussing earlier, um, which is have relation do relationships still hold the same meaning um, and importance as decades ago? I mean, we don't even need to talk about decades. We could just go like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. How have uh, they changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that is really important to not overstep. And again, it differs around the world, right? So here in America, women weren't even allowed to have their own credit cards until about 1974, I believe it was, right? So literally within the last 50 years, we didn't have our own money, not really. And that in and of itself kind of forced relationships, right? Because men traditionally didn't have children and they didn't take care of the household and women traditionally didn't have their own finances or their own careers, right? So it was kind of like a nice little you know, we balance each other out because we come to perform different roles. And if we're lucky enough, then we actually like each other. Right. And also we were limited by location. So once upon a time, you dated within a reasonable driving distance. Right. You didn't have a lot of choices for partners except for your neighbors, your neighbors, uh, neighbors, neighbors, your cousins, you know, people who live maybe a town or two over. And that was it. Right. So you kind of had to just like choose the best of the best and pray for the best. And uh, yeah, so those two dynamics alone have really shifted, right? Because now women have their own money. Men can go out and adopt babies. They can take care of their own household. Women can have their own careers. And so we've been given this real shift in why we get together. It's no longer out of necessity, which is not that romantic, but it's truly out of choice. And then adding on top of it that we can literally meet anyone around the world. I mean, you're in Australia, I'm in California, we're having a conversation. It's that easy to go and meet someone else in the world now. That was impossible once upon a time, impossible. So the impact that it's had on relationships is that now all of a sudden we have freedom of choice in a way that we didn't, right? And you have to remember once upon a time, divorce was almost impossible. You know, there was once a time where you had to prove infidelity. I mean, there were women who literally worked as models that would get caught with husbands so that women had evidence that their husbands were cheating on them. I mean, this is a real thing, (laughs) right? They had to move to the state of Nevada and live there for six weeks so that they could go to court and actually obtain a divorce. It was so difficult. So we had to stick it out. And now it's like, I don't like you. You don't like me. We can annul it. We can get divorced in two years. We can split our assets and we're fine. So that's also influenced the way that we connect with people because it's like, When we have choices, we have choices. And while that sounds really appealing and wonderful, it also makes dating so much more difficult because we deal with analysis paralysis. 
It's like when you go to the buffet and you have 50 choices in front of you, I don't know what to choose versus when you have a plate of food in front of you, that's what you eat because that's what's there. Yeah, for sure. And how does like um, technology, how has technology mm. changed that? Mm. Yeah, I I hate to say it, but it's very double-edged sword because the technology is nice, right? Like people in different countries can connect with each other and and you can kind of have this level of intimacy and communication that once upon a time was very difficult because you had to pay for phone bills and you had to pay for postage stamps and you had to wait weeks to get a letter from someone, right? That now it's instantaneous. You have WhatsApp, you have texting, you can sit there and connect with anyone anywhere. Um, remind me the question. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, got lost on a tangent. I'm so how, passionate how, about this. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I think you answered, I guess, the good points of like how technology has affected Oh, yes. And yes. And then it's also depersonalized. That's the other point that yeah. I wanted to make is that it depersonalized it. So once upon a time, you had to have the guts to go up and talk to a stranger or let a stranger come up and talk to you. Or you had to listen to your family who invited you to a party where you had to go and meet the guy that they wanted you to meet from, you know, two villages over, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And now it's like swipe, 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 yes, no, hot, not, maybe, bah, bah, okay, that person says no, I have a plethora of other people that I can choose from. I mean, it's, yeah, the influence has been pretty significant. Not necessarily yeah. bad, but certainly creates challenges that older generations actually can't help us with because it's something that they have no experience with right yeah exactly it's definitely mm-hmm. like unprecedented times almost yeah. in terms of what we're dealing with and mm-hmm. how the dating climate has changed mm-hmm. yeah yeah how do you define dating itself I and mean, we talked about what relationships are what exactly is dating yeah i think and i actually wrote this down so i'm going to read from my notes here but wikipedia's answer was my favorite is that dating is a term coined in america to signify the stage of romantic relationships in which two individuals engage in an activity together most often with the intention of evaluating each other's suitability as a partner in a future intimate relationship i mean you can't get more logical and practical than that right Yes, dating is about assessing someone's suitability, technically, if you're looking for a long-term relationship. It's also a way to meet brand new human beings if you're not looking for a serious relationship. It's a way to get outside of your house and go have adventures with brand new people, maybe the same person over and over again. I mean, dating is such a broad thing, but ultimately the traditional understanding of the word is that, yeah, you're basically kind of And this is not romantic, so forgive me, but you're kind of test driving each other to figure out if you'll be good for the long term. Yeah, I I guess I was trying to find a romantic spin on that, but I'm struggling to. (laughs) I feel like it's like a test drive. It's like, oh, there's no forever in that, really. (laughs) You're just kind of trying things out. You know, and and that's the thing is that I, I, I'll be honest, I actually struggled with as a matchmaker because it was like a very intense expectation of forever immediately. And the job as a matchmaker, my my responsibility as a matchmaker was just to make introductions, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone met someone, they're like, well, I didn't feel the spark. After one date, it doesn't work like that, right? The most successful relationships, and here's the romance of dating, is that you don't look for the fireworks, right? Because fireworks are big and bright and beautiful. But if they kept going on, you'd end up blind and deaf, right? Let's be honest. Yes. Whereas if you have a little tiny ember, right, it might feel small and insignificant at the beginning, but when you give it oxygen, when you give it fuel, when you give it time, 
when you give it a excuse me attention, you can turn it into something that all of a sudden is like a roaring eternal flame. So that's the romance of dating is that ideally it's not just, you know, the test drive, but it's that thing where you're, you're exercising the intention to commit, to make the effort, right? Like when we talked about what a relationship really is, is when you're actually really intentional about what it is you're creating with someone. Um, so I guess um, which we're talking specifically about shyness and social anxiety um, in the dating stage. Um what what does that look like? And is there a difference between shyness and social anxiety? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so social anxiety and shyness are certainly two huge hurdles that people have to overcome in dating, right? Because dating literally means you have to go out and talk to other people and meet other people and engage with other people. And if you are shy, that's incredibly difficult. And if you're socially anxious, it may even be more difficult, right? Yeah. So there's certainly things that you have to contend with. Uh, what most people mistake about those two things is that they're incurable, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people come to me, oh, my God, I'm shy, I'm this, I'm that, I'm never going to date because, because, because. No, that's why you come to a coach is because you're like, this is where I am. I want to get to the next level. So it absolutely is something that's curable. Now, it is important to understand the distinction between the two. So, so shyness and social anxiety both manifest as being uh, reluctant in social situations to engage with other people. But shyness might just be, you know, a a reluctance and being quiet and perhaps not having strong communication skills, but otherwise you're secure in yourself, but perhaps you just, you don't feel like a strong connector. Whereas social anxiety, there's actual like physical, uh, physical signs that show up, right? So racing heart, sweaty palms, uh, fast breathing, you know, like those sorts of things show up as anxiety. So in fact, like you could be shy and hide in the corner, but be very calm. Whereas if you're socially anxious, you show up and you're like kind of climbing the walls a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, It's kind of like an elevated, um, version of shyness in that it's uh, a little harder to deal with when when, when you're kind it's of a fit, um, physiological yeah, it's physiological for sure. versus just emotional or mental yeah 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 for sure how i guess what are some of the misconceptions people have around feeling being shy or socially anxious and i feel like that we can go both ways with that question, you know, like being socially anxious. You talked about like, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be able to date. That's like one of the things that people get wrong. But Uh what does someone who, what do people often get wrong about people who are shy Uh and socially anxious in dating Mm. situations? Yeah. So to answer the first question, like I said earlier, is thinking that it's incurable, right? I was an incredibly painfully shy person, if you can believe it, right? Part of the reason why I became a photographer was so that I could go and be in a crowd full of people and hide behind a camera, (laughs) right? I could be in the corner and I didn't have to talk to anybody because, oh, she's the photographer. She's supposed to be invisible, right? But being a society and event photographer, I had to learn how to engage with incredibly powerful people that if I didn't speak up and I didn't step forward, they weren't going to give me the time of day. So I learned that I had a tool that would help me engage with other people So yes, there are absolutely ways to overcome shyness. Now, anxiety is is physiological. I would say that I experience anxiety from time to time, but I would never have called myself a socially anxious person. 
But there are certainly ways that you can do breathing exercises, take on meditation. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't know about actual chemical remedies, but they do exist, right? So there's different ways that you can manage both of these things so that you don't feel as if you're never going to get what you want simply because you've got this thing upon you, right? You don't have a thing, it's upon you. So the second answer to your question is, how is it often mistaken? Everybody's shy. Anybody who is like naturally charming and easy to talk to and just knows how to, you know, have a conversation with a stranger is actually someone that you should, I wouldn't say be careful with, but understand if they can do it that easily with you, they do it that easily with everybody. So I think oftentimes women are looking for that guy who just knows how to be charming and sweep them off their feet because it's very easy and exciting, but he's generally not as good a partner, right? And of course, there's exceptions everywhere as the guy who's more shy and more sweet and stutters and is a little bit nervous and, you know, is kind of fumbling over planning the date and maybe doesn't know the right questions to ask or, you know, maybe talks a little bit too much on the date. You know, I think it's really important for women, especially to give guys a little bit of leeway because it sounds counterintuitive, but the more a guy likes you, the more shy and nervous and potentially socially anxious he's going to get. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it it's always, it's kind of like how we feel insecure kind of going into a date is kind of how you oh, know yeah. it might be something a bit deeper. Um, I, I think I think it's probably the same as well. Yeah, it is. And just, and to, yeah, and patience. You know, one of the, the most important ingredients to successful relationships of any kind is patience and empathy. So when you're sitting across from someone, right, because if you're listening to this, it means you're going on a lot of first dates, maybe some second dates, fingers crossed some third dates, but most <laughs> likely, you know, you're, you're having some questions around dating and your, your potential relationships. Let's just be patient and be empathetic. Now, there's a difference between being a doormat and letting someone cross your boundaries and do things that you're not comfortable with, right? Like that's something totally different. But, you know, if someone's tongue-tied, if they're, you know, not as like huggy, kissy, complimentary, words of affirmation, physical touch, like all the things that like I have my very long checklist of what I'm looking for in a partner if he's not ticking off the boxes within the first 20 minutes. Remember that little ember, (laughs) okay? Like. Look for look for the little ember and then see if you can grow it from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess, um, how do you see, how can you tell the signs of someone you're on a date yeah, with being yeah. um, shy and uncomfortable? And, and how do you differentiate that between them not being interested in you romantically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good question. So eye contact is usually the most um, reliable, reliable signpost for most anything. So even shy people will still make eye contact with you, right? Like most shy people kind of keep their eyes down. And that's how you know they're shy because not shy people will look you right in the eyes. And in fact, yeah, make you a little like, oh, boy, the person's really looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So shy people to have a tendency not to do that. But if they're interested, they're still going to give you attention in their own way. Okay, so, you know, they might keep their eyes down. But I like to say that you can always pay attention to interest or disinterest by two things. And it's proximity and pivot. Okay, so, you know, we're doing an interview now. So I'm giving you my full attention. You're giving me your full attention. That's because we're engaged in a conversation. If I was bored, 
and uninterested. And you invited me to do this interview and you're, I'm like, whatever, I have better things to do with my time. Do you see how my body has pivoted away from you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, shy or not shy. Somebody who isn't interested is not is not going to give you their full attention. They're just not going to mm. do it. Okay. Mm. And we don't like we there's so many signals that we give off that are unconscious. And that's why it's really important to pay attention to body language, even with the shyest of people. Because mm. according to FBI body language specialists, the most honest part of our body is our feet. Because we don't think about our feet. We can lie with our faces. We can get exaggerated with our hands. And we can even be a little bit, you know, facetious with our bodies but it's our feet will point towards the thing that we're interested in in fact as a photographer that was one of my favorite exercises when i was in a room i could tell who was there with each other even if they were standing across the room from each other because inevitably their toes would point towards each other it's fascinating next time you go into a crowded room start paying attention to people's feet and you will see if they're talking in a trio and four people who the person is most interested in because their feet will be pointed right towards that person Right. Yeah. I'm uh-huh. definitely going to, I'm going to keep an eye on that um, yeah. next time I go out anyway. For yeah. Sure. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then proximity is works kind of the same way. So again, when we really like someone, we get close. We mm-hmm. want to stay close to them. And even shy people will look for an excuse to be around someone that they like, that they want to get to know. And actually that's one of the ways that most shy people operate is that they try and be within the orbit of that person, hoping that that person's going to notice them right with the eye contact. Somebody who's not interested you try and get closer to them and they're going to keep pulling away. They're going to keep finding ways to disappear outside the room or get outside of your sphere of influence because they're not interested. So they're very clearly communicating without words that get away from me. For sure. How, I mean, that's, that's body language, but how do you translate that to like communicating over technology, (laughs) which I I fear so many people are doing nowadays is that Mm -hmm. they're just having DMs on Tinder or talking over the phone um, or Zoom or whatever. I don't know if anyone's been on a Zoom date, but I'm sure that's a thing. That's 100% during the pandemic, all the matchmaking dates I set up were on Zoom. So Mm -hmm. one of the things we actually coached people on was how to be present on a Zoom date, right? How to show up, how to show up in a good mood, how to set an experience. I mean, it was a huge challenge, actually. Um, Very steep learning curve let's just put it that way so yeah technology i think being being playful is really important to learn as a shy and or socially anxious person i would say like that's one of the the biggest ingredients that's missing from in person and online because yeah you can't necessarily read somebody's body language i mean you can pay attention to the frequency of their tags the timing of their tags You know, if it takes them a week to respond to you versus like they respond pretty immediately, the quality of their text, right? Do they ask open-ended questions, one-word answers that don't make the conversation go anywhere? You know, I mean, there's, you know, I could, I could talk for hours about how to make this work for you. But in terms of being shy, I think just really putting yourself out there and also not playing small. You know, one of the biggest statistics that my clients are surprised to learn that when it comes to online dating, especially or engaging in online um, dating opportunities, let's call them, is that you if you want to go on one date, it means that you need to connect with at least 20 people. Which sounds like what I got to what I have to match with 20 people to go on one date. Yeah. Why? Because you connect with 20 people, you match with 20 people. 10 of those people are never going to actually respond to you or reach out to you, 
right? Because they've, you know, started seeing someone, they didn't delete their account, they, you know, swiped on 50 people. And unfortunately, you're not at the top of the pile, nothing personal, right? So you're not going to hear back from 10 of them. And then of the 10 you do hear back from, five of them are going to have stupid openers like, hi, Wow. Blow my socks off. Hi. Wow. I'm so flattered. No. Right. So you get annoyed immediately within somebody's interaction with you. So five of them are going to be terrible openers that you're not even interested in responding to. Then there's going to be five people who are actually interesting, charming, engaging. My personal tip for all people, shy, not shy, anxious, not anxious, whomever, is called first date phone date. So get mm-hmm. on the phone. And I know that sounds very old fashioned for those of you who are using technology and just want to jump right into the coffee date. But I can yeah. tell you this is that when you get on the phone, you're able to really gauge that person in a way that that gives you so much information without being clouded by the visual. So yeah. I will say this, that people get so caught up in like what someone looks like that they don't pay attention to the personality. So when you're on a phone, you're not looking at someone's face. It's not a FaceTime or a Zoom even. It's a phone call. Because then you can listen to the, you know, if, if you laugh, if it's easy to talk to them, if they're shy, but it's like char- it's charming shy as opposed to like socially crippled shy, which in, that's a whole different conversation, right? But like you can gauge that person. And then if the phone conversation goes well enough, when you finally meet in person, you feel like you already know each other. So even if you're shy, you've already kind of gotten some of that get to know you stuff out of the way so that when you sit down, for a cocktail, for dinner, for a whatever, a picnic in the park, you already have a bit of relatedness so that you don't have to feel so shy. You're already sitting down with someone you know. I think the biggest disservice that we do for ourselves on dates is like, hey, we texted, communication, charming, witty, something enough to ask you out on a date. And then we meet in person. It's like, I just set myself up on a blind date. Yeah, and now I'm really awkward and uncomfortable. And both of us are. So now this is just going to fail already (laughs) yeah yeah for sure that's a really that's a really good tip in that like uh, the way we text is often never how we speak so uh, you're never gonna like know a person before you meet them the first time and even Um, if it is the way you speak that person doesn't know the way you speak right so i have a bit of a sense of humor right which in person it's quite witty and charming but if i text people they're like she's kind of mean (laughs) yeah. <laughs> right i'm being funny but they don't yeah. know me well enough and so they're just like oh mm, okay i don't like that but if yeah. i were to do exactly the same bit so to speak in person be a totally different experience yeah yeah for sure for sure um how what what should someone know and we've discussed this a little bit with the phone call but what should someone know before saying yes to a first date yeah, I think first and foremost is is really looking at someone's profile and actually paying attention to the details, right? So if someone has a bunch of like rock climbing, motorcycle, cliff jumping photos, but he's really good looking, but you, the last thing people could pay you to do is go on a motorcycle or go skydiving or whatever, he might be adorable, but he's not for you because you already know that you're a lifestyle mismatch, right? So I will tell you this, most guys are terrible at putting their profiles together. So also be gentle (laughs) and kind when you're looking at their profiles because often guys are way more charming and interesting in real life than their photos show you. Um, But with that said, yeah, don't ignore like obvious no's. 
Um, but don't be so harsh that if he's not a 10 immediately from visual cues that he's already out the window. Um, I think, too, the texting back and forth is important. So, you know, strong first impression. My favorite piece of advice that I give guys when they're opening, uh, reaching out to a female on a dating app is to ask an open-ended question. Open with a compliment, ask an open-ended question. If she has beautiful eyes, say so. If she has a great smile, say so. She has a great sense of style, say so. And then ask her an open-ended question. How was your week? I know it sounds really basic and some females out there might be like, that's so basic. But it just gives an opportunity to start the conversation. And then you can answer the conversation because you find him interesting, charming, whatever. And then it gives him the confidence to then go into your profile and then maybe start asking you some more personalized questions. I know that there's other coaches and AI things that are like, okay, open with a super deep, introspective question from the beginning or start with this really stupid question like what's your favorite bagel topping i mean (laughs) no how's your week going open-ended question and that person will tell you everything if they sit there and tell you oh my week sucked i hate my job my boss is a jerk and my dog peed on my carpet and i'm ready to give him up how much more information do you need to know about this person they're angry they complain they hate their job and they don't like their animals How's your week going? Oh, I had such a great week. I had a a raise. I went out to lunch with my family. I went sail on a sailboat for the first time. Oh, here's a person who's adventurous and interesting and does something with their week. So pay attention and also build rapport, right? Mm. So even before you get on the phone call, those open-ended questions give you an opportunity to share stories, to to dive deeper and say, oh, I saw that you have a picture in front of the, the pyramids in Egypt. That must have been amazing. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, of course, I'm going to tell you about this photo that I put on my profile because it's clearly that important to me that I put it as a representation of myself. So person's already talking about their favorite thing. Then you get on the phone and say, well, tell me more about Egypt. That must have been so cool. Would you go with what was your favorite thing? Did you eat any interesting foods? And then all of a sudden you feel like you're talking to an old friend. Right. This is a brand new person. But because you've already done a little bit of the legwork ahead of time, it takes away that shyness because why some of us are shy is because we're not confident. And yeah. the definition of confidence is the ability to trust yourself. Right. So when you're not feeling confident, you don't trust yourself to be able to have a conversation with a stranger versus mm-hmm. when you set yourself up for success, because confidence doesn't come from having it comes from doing. Right. We don't get confident because something happens to us. We get confident because we fall on our face a lot because we keep trying it over and over again because we're not willing to give up. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I can talk to anybody because I encourage my clients. Talk to everybody, even if they're not a fit for you. Why? Because it's it's like building a muscle, because when you're finally Mm -hmm. in front of that person that you're completely gobsmacked by, you will have enough muscle memory in order to have a conversation versus that thing where it's like, and then all of a sudden you become shy and socially anxious when maybe you aren't even traditionally right yeah for sure Mm. for sure and Mm -hmm. like i feel like everyone regardless of their shyness or anxiety needs to hear that thing about um opening lines when dming people i think like one that i kept getting sent the last time i was on a dating app which is a while ago um was uh do you, would you prefer a horse-sized duck or a duck-sized horse? And I'm like, why are you asking me this? I don't care. I got it from five people in a few days. I don't, I they, don't they get all, it. They all read the same article, it sounds like. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I was like, I don't know, and I don't care either. <laughs> so right, and people know. shoot themselves in the foot already because it's a hundred percent of what you know of someone. Yeah. And here's somebody that is trying to attract your attention by asking a stupid question. Mm-hmm. They might be mm-hmm. fun, charming, intelligent, romantic, caring, whatever, but because they opened something so stupid, dead in the water immediately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. How's your week going? How's your week going? <laughs> Open-ended How's your question. Week going? <laughs> what are some, um, like, other practical tips or strategies that you have offered to help people overcome their shyness and their social mm. anxiety? Yeah, I would say the, the most challenging and the most helpful is to go out and compliment everyone you meet. Mm-hmm. That's a difficult mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it is a difficult one, right? Because it's like you don't just go up to a stranger and be like, "Nice face," right? It doesn't work like that. So the easiest way to give a genuine compliment, even to strangers that you've met for the first time, is notice something about the person that you genuinely appreciate, right? So when we opened our conversation tonight, you have a beautiful Australian accent. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. And it's a genuine compliment because I genuinely appreciate it. But it also right is is a strategy because it opens up the conversation for us to feel affinity for each other. Mm -hmm. I'm appreciating something about you. You feel appreciated. We like people who like us. And the easiest way to let someone know you like them is by complimenting something that you genuinely appreciate. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh So. It's a difficult one for sure for people to do, but it's like you said earlier, it's building that muscle memory um, so that when you have to do it in a pickle, um, it becomes easier because you've already done it before. Yes. And you'll also know yourself as a person who uh, who makes a difference. And I think mm-hmm. this is the most important part about going out and giving compliments is one is to exercise that muscle of engaging with strangers, making them, you know, giving them a smile because who doesn't love hearing something nice about themselves? But it's also really about it's really about knowing yourself to be someone who makes a difference in someone else's world, because how good does it feel for someone to acknowledge something nice about you? And all of a sudden for the rest of your day, I have I do have a nice accent. (laughs) Right. That is very true. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the day for sure. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's like when you can go out and make a difference for someone in that it's a it's a it's a what is it? Three second exchange. In three seconds, you can completely transform someone's day, their experience of you. Maybe they'll never even see you again, but they will always remember that stranger who had something really nice to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of this part of the section where we mm-hmm. kind of talked about it um, and 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 decoded. Decoded is not the right word, but we're going with it because that's the only one I can think of right now. Okay. Um, I guess how to deal with social anxiety and da- in dating, as, as shyness as well in dating on both uh, sides of the spectrum. So both uh-huh. experiencing it and um, dating someone who is experiencing it. Yeah. Um, but we might figure out how to put some of that into practice sure. um, in our experiment debrief. Um, uh. So Amber, what is a practice that you do to overcome your shyness in dating and relationships? And if that's not an experience you've had, what would you recommend um, to the people that you work with? Yeah, there's two things. I think um, because confidence, right? So we already talked about confidence. It's it's so integral to the entire process, but confidence comes from doing, not having, right? 
So I encourage people to do what I like to call the greatest hits list, right? Your greatest hits list. And you can start with five, 10, go up to 50, whatever you come up with. But it's literally sitting down and writing the things that you're really proud of, that you've accomplished, that you have overcome, that you have created, differences you have made, anything that you want to be acknowledged for. Why? Because when you see it in writing, it's like, holy crap, I am way, I'm way more powerful, impactful, interesting, accomplished, uh, confident than I ever actually really gave myself credit for. Because when we get small, when we get shy, it's because we're making ourselves wrong for something. I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing that right. I'm a complete klutz. Nobody's going to love me because I'm a total disaster. I'm being mm. dramatic, but that's kind of where our brains go, right? Yeah. So when you have a greatest hits list and you're kind of feeling like, oh man, I've got imposter syndrome. I don't know how I'm going to show up on this date. Is she going to like me? Is he going to like me? You look at your list and go, you know what? I graduated from a really good school. I got the highest grade on a test in this class. I started a volunteer program that now 50 people are experiencing the difference of. I can go into any public space and make everyone that I chat with laugh, whatever, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you start seeing yourself as like someone who is so, so interesting and powerful and attractive and a catch. And then when you start seeing yourself as someone who, when you, when you're dating them and they're dating you, that they're lucky and not in an egotistical way, but like, look at all the things I've done. This person's actually, yeah, for them to spend time with me, that's like not a small thing. Cause where we usually go is like, oh man, I hope they like me. I hope, uh, I hope, you know, they find me attractive. I hope bleh. No, there's no yeah. greater way to kill your potential than to sit there and live in the world of hope, live in the world of reality, live in the world of what's so. So make your greatest hits list. And then the second is, is that music changes your vibration and frequency, right? So if you have, it's like, if you ever watch like wrestling or football or any sort of major sports physical Olympics, there's always music. There's a song that people have an entrance to, right? And it gets them pumped up. It gets the crowd pumped up. It gets everyone really excited about what's to come. So when you're on your way to a date or even when you're getting on dating apps, listen to something that puts you in a really good mood, in a really fun mood, in a playful mood, in a sexy mood, in a whatever, whatever sort of feeling you want to have. And then it's kind of like, it's kind of a little bit of a cheat, but you want to get yourself instantly into a better mood, listen to some great music that makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah. I love both of those ideas, but I especially love the greatest hits because I feel like, um, I think what um, in the past I have felt sometimes is that when I'm in the dating scene, I feel like I have nothing to offer well, um, because yeah. it's like, oh, you know, I'm not that great. Like, it's just a I'm little just me. me. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. um, so kind of like making a little list of like why you are actually kind of great. Yeah. Um, and do actually have something to offer to another person yep. uh, can be really beneficial. And I think it mm -hmm. goes beyond just dating as well. I think it's just yeah. a general self-esteem thing that it can really oh. help with. It's so yeah. important because a lot of us live as if it's someone else's responsibility to make us feel good for ourselves, about ourselves, mm -hmm. with ourselves, right? Because we all look to our parents to do that for us. And unfortunately, some of us grew up in households where our parents weren't very good at it. Right. Yeah. In fact, they may have gone in the opposite direction and made us feel really bad about ourselves. So that's kind of hard to crawl out from underneath. And I would say that's actually one of the sources of shyness and social anxiety is that you grew up in an environment that didn't exactly allow you to be self-expressed or shine yeah. or 
be yourself or you were told somehow some way somewhere that you weren't good enough Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden just because that one person who was very important and their opinion is important made you feel that way that you assume everybody thinks that way about you yeah so because it was an external thing that made us feel that way quote unquote we expect an external source to get us out of feeling that way it doesn't work that way you know we have to understand that we're responsible you know, my, one of my favorite sayings is that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. So it's really when you get that and that you actually have control and power over who you are, how you show up, that all of a sudden when someone, you know, like say this to my clients, even if someone says to your face, you're a total jerk and an idiot and I hate you, you can look at them and go, thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. It's just information. Yeah. It's just yeah. information. Right. And it's information that you can choose to do something with or not, because you know who you are. You know the difference you make in the world. You know what you bring to the table. And then when you really embrace that, it's so much easier for someone else to come along and go, oh, my God, you're so smart. You're so kind. You're so compassionate. You're so loyal. Yeah. There's wonderful things about you that most people are the shyest about. Right. It's like when you see the good in yourself, it's a lot easier for other people to see that in you as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, going back to the non-romantic part of it, but it's kind of like sales, kind of like marketing, right? So if you walk into a grocery store and someone's like, yeah, it's decent. I'm looking for the best strawberry. Well, this one's okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, it's the only one. So I guess I'll take it. Yeah. Right. Versus like, oh my God, this is the tastiest strawberry you're ever going to put in your mouth. It's juicy. It comes from the mountains of wherever <laughs> you're, you're never going to forget this strawberry. Oh my God. And even if they bite it and it's not true, they still have that like, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> they might be the on something. Yeah. 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 Exactly. For sure. So sure. you have to be, you have to be your own salesperson, not romantic, but it's true. So if you, if you have to believe in your product, yeah, you have to believe sure. in your product. What are some of the challenges around that? Um, like building that list or even just building your self-esteem in general? Yeah, I think it's really wrestling with that voice, that little nasty voice in your head that's going to try and tear you down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been doing personal development for myself, coaching other people for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years now. And even with all of the level of work that I've done, that voice never really disappears. But you get to a point where you realize that all it is is a little voice and you actually have your word, you have your commitment, you have the things that you desire, your goals that keep you focused so that when that little voice tries to pull you away, you sit there and go, "Mm -mm, I really want to fall in love. So I'm going to appreciate myself. I'm going to prepare for dates. I'm going to have clarity around who it is I'm looking for. I'm going to practice first date, phone date. I'm going to do all those things even when I'm not feeling 100% because I know what I'm aiming towards. So Mm -hmm. just understand that little voice is like, it's like hair, right? As much as you want to cut it and keep it perfect the whole time, like it's going to grow. You have to maintain it. So never forget that. And so, yeah, when that little voice gets extra loud, that's when you hit the greatest hits list and go, yep, but you know what? I did this. I did that. I did this. That's very true. That's very true. Based on your experience, do you have any other practices, recommendations of practices that you would combine it with? Probably when you're well. Um, what's coming to mind is just when you go out and when you aim for photos, like you just want to go out and look your best. Because there's something about like smelling good, being clean, wearing an outfit you like. 
um, having your hair done, doing your makeup right, keeping your nails clean, like all this just like very common sense, but not always common practice things. Because when you know you look good, you feel good, mm-hmm. right? It's like when you choose that thing that like it just feels uncomfortable, but I hope it looks good. Even if it does look good to the other person, if you don't feel good, you're going to sit there and be like, oh, I hate this shirt. Now I know Agreed. this person hates the shirt. <laughs> like, Agreed. You know, it's so it's so basic, but it's so powerful. And brushing your teeth, right? <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many dates I went out with guys where it just they. Oh, Let's no. just say it was something yeah. that they overlooked, right? They would have otherwise oh, no. been really interesting, but because they overlooked it, right? It was like, I never want to see you again. You're not managing mm-hmm. yourself well. So yeah, just like those tiny, tiny little details will make a big difference in how you show up. And don't don't leave weed in your nails as well. I think that's another uh, piece of advice that I would share from experiences. Weed? <laughs> yeah, like you know how um, it, it gets a bit yellow from like after, yeah, that's happened. Um, don't do that. I think that's Oh, we could probably do a whole nother podcast just about date fails, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before we before we get derailed, I, I will move on um, now to our open mic section um, uh-huh. where I ca- kind of just let you have a little soapbox where you can have a mini TED talk uh, uh-huh. for a couple of minutes about uh-huh. anything that you feel was really important to address mm-hmm. at this point. Uh-huh. Um, so Amber, did you have anything that you wanted to add that you felt the audience needed to know? Yeah, I think in line with, you know, shyness and social anxiety, one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is find a community to be a part of, right? Because one of the things that makes dating very difficult is it's very high pressure, right? So as I opened, the whole thing is that you're, you're basically interviewing each other for suitability, for the future, no pressure, lots of pressure. Right. So it can feel really difficult to to have a sense of self-worth or place or value if you're going through a lot of only dates, not just first dates, only dates. Right. So I think it's really important to have a community of people that you feel comfortable with, that you um, can socialize with, that you identify with, that feels safe and like home for you. Because when you know yourself to be a member of, of something bigger than yourself, it can do wonders for how you feel about yourself, right? So I play a Brazilian martial art called Capoeira. I've been doing it since 2006. And it's it's been such a revolutionary, just, I mean, it has done so much for my life. Why? Because it's a culture, it's a sport, it's a language, it's music, it's dance, it's fighting. And the best thing about it is it's community. I know that I can walk into any Capoeira studio in the world and I will be welcomed as a family member. And there's something, because remember, I'm a shy person. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I was a terribly shy person. To sit there and have a community of people where even if I you know, was like shy and hiding in the corner or whatever, that someone was going to come over and be like, hey, come over and dance with us. Come over and eat food. Come over and meet these people. Come over and socialize right so you might be a shy person you might be socially anxious but guess what if you can be in a community where there's one person who is super extroverted super you know mayor of the city has no issue talking to anyone they take a shine to you all of a sudden you have someone doing the heavy lifting for you (laughs) right so you don't always have to go out there and be the, the social one you've got friends who can sit there and be like oh have you met you know have you met this person over here, they're so interesting, they're so funny, they're so this. And then all of a sudden, you've got people 
you know, on your side and seeing you in a way that you don't get to see yourself, right? Because with that little voice I was talking about, what's really dangerous is that if you don't have other people around you balancing it, it's really easy to take whatever that little voice is saying is true. But when you've got a community of people who reinforce how funny, smart, clever, involved, you make a difference, you know, you've got that evidence, that external evidence, so to speak, that goes a long, long way and really giving you the space to show up and shine and just be the wonderful person you are, even when you're shy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it kind of like ties in with, I mean, obviously this is not something that's possible in online dating, but you were talking about how uh, you kind of thinking of openers specifically um, because people might not really be thinking of what, like they might not know what to say when they're kind of approaching a conversation. But when Uh you're in a group of people in a social situation like that, and you have that one extrovert friend who's willing to start that conversation for you, it's like, that's all the work done. That's a small talk out of the way. Um, And you can get to talking about what you actually want to, which I think the majority of people with shyness and social anxiety have no problem talking about their interests. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there you go. Insider secret. Hope you guys wrote that one down. <laughs> get a friend. <laughs> get a friend. Get a friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, all right. That kind of brings us to the end of our episode. Emma, where can um, people in the audience, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. So uh, probably the best place to start is on Instagram. And it's at the underscore Sudduck. So S-E-D is in David U-X-E. Um, and I go live every Thursday night, 7 p.m. California time. So wherever you are in the world, I'm just going to let you do the math on that. But I go live every week to answer audience questions, to answer, um, you know, things that have come up that I think are important for people to know about their dating experience. So if you're able to make the live, you can ask me questions directly because it's not every day you get to talk to a dating expert. Right. So take advantage of that. I also have Patreon, so you can find me, The Sedux, over on patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And there I actually have a full video library of a lot of my training. So you may not want to work with me um, as a coach one-on-one, but you like the advice. Maybe you heard something helpful. So for, you know, just a small subscription fee every month, you get access to my full library. So um, I think that's a great place for people to go and find resources. Of course, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, TikTok. I've just gotten on TikTok. I know I might be aging myself by sounding really excited about that, but yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I have been trying to stop myself from being on TikTok. <laughs> so it's pretty funny when I hear people mm. like starting it. I'm like, oh, oh man. you're in for a journey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been reluctant because as a visual yeah. artist, right, as a visual storyteller, it's very easy to get sucked in and, and all the goodness over there. There's lots of fun things happening. But yes, you can find me on TikTok as well. And then you're always welcome to email me and go to my website at, you know, theseducts.com, www.theseducts.com. I do do complimentary um, mini sessions. So if you have a question that you want a one-on-one answer with, I'm not always available, but if you can book a time, that's a great way to have that question answered. And then of course, you know, for those of you who are ready to dive in and level up and go for the gold, then I do, I am also available as a private coach. 
Sure. Well, all of the links that you mentioned so far will be in the description. Um, so we'll Great. make sure that people can easily find that. Um, but Amber, thank you so much for joining me uh, today. I've had such a wonderful time chatting oh, with you uh, and learning from you so far. Thank you. Yeah, this is a real pleasure and an honor. And I, I was so flattered when you guys, you know, wanted to pick my brain about these specific topics. So happy, happy to be here and happy to answer any other further questions you guys might have. Absolutely. Um, thank you again. Um, and thank you for listening to the show. Yeah, I'm excited to hear further episodes. You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Lab. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.